Movie concessions. Movie concessions. That's the... Uh, do you mean when movies uh, don't deliver on their full promise? <laughs> they they want to make it up to you. They want to make it up to you. That's not what I mean. You mean uh, the the snacks? Let's all go to the lobby and, and have a- our and ha- get ourselves a snack. A, a coke or a snack? I thought it was get ourselves a snack. But, oh, I don't uh, actually don't know. Um, movie concessions. So right. So historically, uh, they they comprise like fifty percent of a, a movie theater. Uh, yeah, I mean, revenues. That's, that's, that's that's what I've heard. That's a, that's sort of like the you know yeah that's the idea right. right. Like, and so that um, you know the, the movie theater operators they pay for these movies. Mm-hmm. The right they to, have to, to pay to, a lot for the movies. They have to pay a lot for the movies and like the ticket, ticket sales that, make up I don't know. some cost of that. Right. But then maybe not all of it. Definitely not all of it. And so okay. they have to sell uh, these these snacks. And it's also it's there's a little bit of like a. Um, like a Seinfeldian like uh, answer this I remember like Seinfeld had a whole bit about the airport uh, saying like do people who work at uh, the airport realize what food costs anywhere else <laughs> you know <laughs> right uh, oh like $14 for a tuna fish sandwich right. or that that seems about right right um and so it is weird how you, you kind of cross the threshold into a movie theater. Right. You're right next to a bodega where right. a bag of uh, that, Reese's that, Pieces. That same <clears throat> box of Junior Mints yeah. is a reasonable price. Right. and 20 feet away. Sure. Um, but there, but you can't get popcorn, warm popcorn uh, at the bodega. Not, okay. not, not most places. Um, you can't get a fresh, well, I guess you could get a fre- fe- fresh fountain beverage. But they're pretty good about making sure you don't bring in outside food are they uh I some have be- yeah some some have been like if you have if i if i have a bag like if i come from the gym or something like that or yeah. if i just have my work bag with me i'm going to the movie theater they'll open up my bag and, and i've and, never seen that before oh yeah really yeah that seems invasive yeah um they don't do a thorough it's not like a uh-huh. tsa screen but it's i once had a idea of like would it be possible to sm- like what would be the biggest amount of food you could smuggle into the theater like could you get a whole pizza you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like is it could you come up with some way of smuggling some comically large food into the movie theater but the, i think the thing that makes it concessions and not is is like you said the popcorn yeah. the idea that it's hot so the sh- popcorn in and of itself is very theatrical but it also has a shelf life it also has sure. you know it's it's one of these things where uh warm fresh out of the thing is is better than than the you know you can buy a bag of popcorn you get like the same way you'd buy a bag of chips but it's, it doesn't seem like it's the same thing yeah i i um i don't think i ever eat popcorn outside of a movie theater it's not a staple in your pantry no 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 because here in my house we go through a lot of popcorn. Really? We, <laughs> yeah. Like like that you put like uh, stovetop or in the microwave? No, or it's like more fresh like made or it's like more like you buy a bag of it the way you buy like a bag the of skinny chips. pop. You guys, sure. You guys are into that skinny pop. I mean, for some definition of you guys, yeah, yeah. And we we have so we have popcorn. Popcorn is a is a common. It's also a good like um, when the kids want something, and you're like, I don't really want to give them anything, but I need, so I need something that is you know relatively low calories yeah and high um engagement right popcorn takes up a lot of space it's it it draws attention it's hard you know it takes some effort to eat so where are we going with this movie concessions i mean like so uh, well this is a podcast yeah that we have where we talk about a topic a topic yeah that's the topic yeah do you always have you always gotten movie no and i'll say it's like 50 50 okay um and it's one of those it's it's definitely like a Oh, let's be bad. Do you want to be bad? Let's be bad and get the concessions. Right. Uh, not only for the cost, so the cost is. It's pretty the same way as you like deciding whether to get a plate of fries for the table. Yeah, we're getting fries for the table. Let's be bad, should we? Yeah. Um, so that's it. It's it's like the sense of are we going to indulge in this you know treat? Now, as you're saying this, you're talking about um, you know do people in airports have a skewed sense of what things cost? It, for some reason, it made me think of uh, baseball stadiums as well, mm. or stadiums in general, you know, sporting events. It has a similar kind of thing where it's like, oh, it's everything's inflated and overpriced because where are you going to go? Right. Yeah, there's no... They have there's a monopoly no, on... They have a monopoly, right. Do you get things at sporting events? If you go to a baseball game, do you always like, oh, we're, you know, we're going to budget for... Yeah, no, I, let's just stop that line of inquiry right there. You know, when you go to, when you go to sporting events. Yeah, I do not go when to sporting events. When you go to events. like, like all the times that you go to sporting events. The, all, all the sporting in events. In the past and in the future. All the sporting events I've been to in the past five years. Yeah. I've been with you. <laughs> I don't go to sporting events. Right, That's okay. just not part of my, fine, my custom. Growing up, there wasn't a, a thing. There, so for example, not that we did really either, but growing up, 
we had we would occasionally go to like the minor league baseball game in tulsa right pretty you know run-of-the-mill fun thing to do but what does run-of-the-mill mean it, I mean, I know what it means. I know. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, right, but what's right. the, what's where does the, it come from? Where's the origin? I'm, I'm speculating, but yeah. I think it means uh, in the ordinary course of running the mill, this is the kind of grain you get out. Yeah, it's just like the, the it's the regular stuff going through. Like, so it's the mill meaning uh, a grain mill, or is yeah, this a yeah. water mill? I, I think that, of a traditional mill. Well, a water mill means water is used to power the mill. Yeah, mill is a verb meaning to you know grind something. Okay, you, you mill corn or whatever it is. So when right? you have a run of the, the mill. Yeah, you get the standard mass produced version get, well, of that. Well, it doesn't have to be mass produced. It but could not, be yeah, but, you know, uh, but wholesale you, produced or yeah, like, exactly. in right, large right. batch. You get the large batch of grain or whatever it is that they produce. Again, I'm just sort of connecting consistent. the dots. And it's, it's consistent, and it's just like, it's ordinary. It's the, I, th- I see it as a, um, an analog to uh, business as usual. It's the term, yeah. it, it meant BAU before that was a term. Sure. It was the run of the mill was like, yeah, it's business as usual. It's like, yeah, the, the mill's running. It, this but is what, what you would get. be the opposite in the mill context? Yeah, right, what in the mill the context? Uh, of I, the I don't run know. Of the I feel like, like there the, should be one, right? Yeah, like, like, so if it's like the uh, small batch artisanal. Yeah, the, well, the, the, the specialty, the, the one-off. The, but it's, so if, if you're milling... You know, grain. What does it mean to mill? Well, like, okay. So we're so, usually, we're so what you have from our food process. You, you have um, you have two stones traditionally. You have mm-hmm. a millstone and you have a whatever the other one is called, a grinding stone or something like that. And one of them it turns, and the other one is stationary. And so you 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 know, grain is fed betw- in some way in between these things, and then they, they it just rotates. It's a very heavy stone that rotates and grinds the grain, and and out comes ground comes the flour right mm. and that's the kind of you know and you can and ho- for- hopefully you built this next to a river that's running so you can just put in a water wheel and have some power to do it otherwise sure. you're going to get like you know strong men to walk around in a circle all day or whatever yeah, you know, or, it's, or, it's, or donkey it, right or donkey you're going to in some way you're going to provide the power to turn this very heavy millstone and so what was your question? It was is, so so run of the mill means like in the the context of mill means you're taking grain and you're processing it. You're turning the flour. Right? Yeah. Turning the flour, and so if you put it through the mill, you're going to get the same standard, so, consistent yeah. I, so uh, the BAU I, as you put it. But so what would be? I think the opposite would be something a small other, batch flour. Yeah, uh, well, it would be like. I think it would hand be hand rolled. Yeah, it would be like hand ground or something other than what the mill does. The mill tends to do like one thing, right? Like yeah. grain goes in, a particular kind of flour comes out, right? It's ground a certain way and it's consistent or whatever, but it's not like you can dial that up and down. It's just like it's what it's what it produces. Like that's that's what it does. So what about so steel cut oats? What about it? Well, so <laughs> is that is that <laughs> is are they produced uh, this is like uh-huh. um, ignorance about basic food concepts, right? Yeah. You know, and like we're so divorced from our food sources. Yeah. Um and so I've had steel cut oats and yeah. we get it and we, we, we go through phases of, yeah. of you, we get uh, it you lived in Brooklyn yeah I know thank you um, uh, we, we have a uh, uh, a pressure cooker uh-huh. uh, uh, Instapot. Instapot yeah yeah uh, and actually we do <laughs> you have do an have Instapot, Instapot that we use uh, that we cook uh, steel cut oats in but and they're better than instant oats or whatever they're less processed or something I don't know I actually don't know but I don't know much about the oats like oats specifically yeah because yeah. like when we grew up the Quaker oats you know the ones that everyone's heard of are rolled oats they're so friendly. They are, which I understand to be like, okay, you get the oats and then you, you know, you literally press them under a big heavy roller, right? So that's why they come out kind of flat. Yeah. Whereas steel cut oats, you know, if you've ever poured those out, they're not flat. They have some volume to and them. Some texture. Yeah. So I don't know. Steel coat cut. I, again, I'm just speculating. It's, they use steel blades to but cut them. They, I don't yeah, know. But they're run of the mill or are well, they small batch? So, the, so I'm saying like, if, well, what no, is okay. the opposite of run of the mill in the, in the grain It's my context. understanding that run of the mill as a term comes from an era prior to our modern mass produc- production age. Mm. Run of the mill, I, again, my, I, I believe is an older expression. So I'm, I, I'm, just gonna, up. I'm just going to do some, we don't have to not know. You can ask the rectangle. Yeah. The phrase run of the mill appears to have originated from early factory quality control and described work that had not been graded and was therefore unlikely to be either exceptionally good or exceptionally bad. Huh. Okay. From dictionary.com, uh, it's merely average, commonplace, mediocre. Just a plain run of the mill house, a run of the mill performance. And origin of the uh, first recorded in 1925. That's what it said. Really? Seems, that's, yeah. that's way later than I would have thought. I thought it was an older series. Uh, yeah. Series. I thought um, it was an older Oh, term. actually, now it says, n- n- nope. Uh, unspectacular. Uh, 1909, they're saying now. Um, uh, in a literal sense, in reference to material yielded by a mill before sorting for quality. So it's something, a common oh, run, a usual, right. ordinary type. Um, right. So it's, it's just what comes out of the mill. 
Oh, so the literal use was first done in 1909, but then the figurative use is from 1922. Okay. Um, right, because it seems like the sort of expression that would have a literal operational use before it got adopted for, you know, as a, as a phrase. Yeah. Um, I think I want to know more about this, and it's just uh, the internet isn't providing uh, much. So it's material used by mill before sorting for quality. So it's just the average. Well, it's no, not even yeah, like it, the well, no. I think it's the it's the union. It's everything, right? So the idea is like you get this, you get the you get the stuff out, and we're going to sort it by the fine grain, medium grain, coarse grain. You're going to get you're going to re- refine it in some way. This is the unrefined. You know, it's been it's been milled, but it's all kind of co- commingled. Right, but um, not, they're calling it mediocre. Or no, I think what they're saying is it, it's unrefined. It's 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 a mix of good, bad, medium. It's pedestrian. It's, it's, uh, it's this and that. It's like it's basically uh, um, less pure, more diverse. So this is interesting. So. Uh, and one, you know, synonym they're saying here is some of the synonyms are be ordinary, average, or undistinguished in, in quality. Um, but then another, they say, merely average, commonplace, and mediocre. But like See, that mediocre, mediocre and commonplace are different. Yeah, right. I think I think mediocre is not the right synonym. Yeah, I think mediocre. I think they're using mediocre when they when what they mean is ordinary or commonplace, typical. Hmm. Right. I think. To me, it, it's all about the. It's it's almost like it's an opposite of rare. Run of the mill means like not rare, not special, right? right? It's not it's not exceptional in any way. It's ordinary, typical, commonplace, and so on. It may be commonplacely good, right? Like you could say, what is a run of the mill iPhone? It's like, well, it's a marvel of 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 mass machining. You know, it's like an incredible technological marvel. It's still run of the mill. Yeah. It's just this one's just like the millions of others. Or run of the mill flower is still uh, a marvel of yeah of human mod- ingenuity that's right. and technology it, it, over tens of thousands of years. That's to right. Produce, our, our modern, uh, our modern hyperfine, uh, you know, triple A grade whatever flower, which would have been, you know, if you took it back in time and showed a baker in the past, they would have been like, "Holy cow! How did you do this?" And it's like, I don't know. It's a couple of bucks at the store. Okay. What's the next topic? Vacations. Vacations. I'm actually about to go on a vacation. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Looking forward to it. I am. I'm a little bit. Uh, I, I always have a little bit of mild uh, stress and anxiety leading up to vacations. I think uh, you're the only one who feels that I'm way. I'm the only one. Uh, I, I was also the first one to say that I need a vacation from this vacation. You invented that? It wasn't Jack Donaghy. It was, it was, it was me. You. Did you invent that and then the writer for 30 Rock heard you say it and yeah. then include it in the show? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's, you are a man among men. <laughs> that is that is one of the things I am. <laughs> Um, I'm a person among people. Thank you. Do, do you always go on the same kind of vacation? No. Okay. You go on lots of different vacations. So well, some people are like, well, you know, it's not a vacation unless I'm whatever on yeah. a beach or yeah. traveling to a foreign country or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So some people, yeah, there, so I, there's different types of vacation. There's like the family vacation, which is his own, you know, kind of thing. And yeah, um, I'd like to put a gigantic asterisk. Wait, yeah, yeah, uh, around that. Cause around that. who just, I was, I was just having a conversation with somebody who was talking about this, who said, uh, those two words should never uh, go together. Yeah. yeah. Well, so as, as one who has a, you know, a family of small children, I think there is a difference between family vacation where you're the kid and mom and dad are cruise directing and you're all going together as a family of kids versus like, you know, mid to late teenage years and up, which mm. is, which is different. I feel like there's a, there's a sort of turning point when you get to be, um, like, yeah, like the, a lot of things when you're a teenager where it's like, you don't have the same kind of relationship with, with the family unit. Cause you're, cause you're leaving the nest. Right. Uh, there is a, a classic Simpsons, uh, where they're on vacation and, uh, Lisa says to Marge, um, something uh, kind of dismissively or derisively, uh, kind of, poking fun at the uh, gender roles in the family mm. um, and uh, so Lisa kind of says oh what uh, you, do you like making making the beds um, and doing the chores at another house or a different house right and Marge goes I know you're joking I know you're making fun of me but actually I do right and then she uh, right. like folds the sheets into the bed or what have you yeah so yes and so there's something like as a kid you know, I really enjoyed vacations and family vacations. It was Did fun. you guys, was it a routine? Like every summer you would go somewhere? Yeah, every or summer. Where? And we would generally go to like the Delaware beaches. Okay. Um, so, road trip? Uh, road, yeah, it was about every, three hours. Yeah. Th- Everyone um, drives there in the Yeah, in the van. And or we had a, we had a, we had at one point we had a, a big van. Okay. For, and, and when all, all nine of us went. Um, I was going to say there, there must've been a period where you have memories of. So from like when you're, 
So when you're, let's say, five, how old's your oldest brother? It's 11 plus 11 years? Yeah. So he's 16 and you're five? Yeah. Yeah. So th- that there must have only been a few years when it was everybody, everybody in the band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those so, were, those so, were intense. Um, <laughs> so you have, you have a few family vacations where all nine of you are going to the Delaware Beach. To the, yeah. We're either uh, Dewey, Bethany, or Rehoboth. Okay. Um, and uh, we'd get a house. We'd be, you know, not on the beach because, you know, we're, it's expensive. It's expensive. And we have to, you know, so we'd have to like walk for blocks and blocks and blocks carrying the uh, beach chairs, the metal, you know, in the oh, hot that's sun. So good. And you probably didn't have like a wagon or anything. No, I don't think we had wagons. And, and it's like a, big production to get to the beach each mm-hmm. day and it's a whole thing and i remember not really and it, it's always crowded and trying to mark out your spot and um you know we are uh you know pale skinned mm. uh, and so yeah. just just the the horror of the uh uh sun you know fighting the sun and always putting on sunscreen and, and you'd always have a you'd have a uh you know always have a burn no matter what and yeah. uh, and also the sand everywhere and all but then i loved playing in the surf i loved building sand castles i loved mm-hmm. building little forts and then it's the beach it's great it's beach and my parents would always uh, go on a walk and while while they're away we would try to pull a prank on them <laughs> where they pr- would pretend that i was injured okay and they'd get like ketchup packets and like as if i had been attacked by something and put mm-hmm. like ketchup on my leg like a shark yeah i think i'm not really sure if we had the story fully worked out but somehow <laughs> you're this still was, workshopping it yeah, they yeah, walk yeah. back up. Uh, I, I, somehow it seemed like a good idea. Um, yeah, because parents love it when to find out. That well, they one, never one bought of, it. One they of their never, seven yeah. children is injured. Yeah, it's like, what, what, wait, why are you putting ketchup on, your, on 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 Brian? You know, like these uh, these packets sliced his leg open. <laughs> Don't look too close. Um, but yeah, it was super fun. Um, and then I think as. Yeah, you go. Okay, but that's family vacation. That's family that, vacation. That's sort of like the, yeah, but then there's but then inherited there's, vacation. But now we go on family pattern. vacation. There's you know I have uh, I have six siblings. I have six siblings in law. I have ten <laughs> nieces and nephews, um, and and so it's like twenty six of us. Yeah, and we try to still do this. That's and insane. It's insane. Where could you possibly go? Well, we try to we we go we rotate around the country where different people you know close to and we're trying to make it as convenient as possible for most people to get to in some way. Where um, is that? Because I I have a parallel with like growing up we had the family reunion which was always in for for most of my childhood was always in the same like one place in in the ozarks in missouri because it was kind of centrally located and now people are you know it's the next generation in the ozarks because you had to uh, run some drug money there this was before drugs existed oh okay this was back in the in, I, back back in the late 80s early 90s yeah, back, back before back, drugs back when uh, uh, Justin, we were all just wait, saying no to drugs wait, when Justin Bateman was just Christine Bateman's uh, older brother on <laughs> Family Ties that's right wait what did he play on Family Ties wasn't he in it at some point uh I think he was a character. I'm sorry, I have nothing to add to this conversation. You didn't watch Family Ties? I I didn't watch fill in the blank on every show in the 80s. I didn't watch, unless it's Reading Rainbow or Mr. Rogers. Nope. You didn't watch Elf? Name all the shows you watched from that era. Uh, Golden Girls, Elf, Cosby Show, Cheers, um, uh, MacGyver. Yes, MacGyver was my favorite show. And... For whatever reason, I only watched it a little bit, but it was like I was I obsessed can, with MacGyver. Okay, that, we have to let's put a pin in that, yeah, because that's definitely we need to do a topic on MacGyver. Got it. MacGyver. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, Family Ties, and nope. yeah, it was, a, it was a big show for us. I am aware of so many shows that I was sort of, I, 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 I sort of like existed alongside of that I never. I never, I never That's took such an interesting of way of uh, you existed alongside. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. in retrospect, everyone, you know, all of my sort of peers, my generational peers are like, oh, what about, and I'm like, yeah, I've totally heard of The Wonder Years. I've heard of that show. Mm. I know it existed. I'm, I'm probably, I and, saw a little bit of that, but not much. And I, I have learned more about it as an adult reading Wikipedia than I ever absorbed contemporaneously. So that's how I feel about uh, Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. Really? I existed alongside of them. I never really saw them. Oh, see, that's all I, that's all I watched was Mr. Rogers, Sesame Street and Reading Rainbow. I, I, in Reading Rainbow, I've never seen. I don't, I just don't know. Oh, that's fascinating. I I, I remember seeing, you know, season after season of Reading Rainbow. No, and I, I, I've barely, uh, of, like I don't think I've ever seen, I don't I don't I don't have a visual for it I have right. no idea it's I, I'm I'm aware you have of the no term, record of that yeah but I can't even tell you oh that's the r- first that's thing about was it a live action was it animated okay who's in it what's the premise I've no I really don't know I that's I, I find um, that fascinating but it, I think it was because I was the youngest uh-huh. and like maybe my older siblings nobody else this, wanted to watch that but, stuff but time, I'm the oldest and so like I'm gonna get the you know tailored for me or or my younger siblings uh, that's programming. Interesting. 
Um, so the idea of vacation, though, is yeah. You know, but you, what no matter is where you go, there you are, right? So <laughs> well, but no, but that's the thing. Like you could be in a, you could be traveling, and it's not a vacation, right? Work travel is not a vacation, and I would argue that there are certain personal non-work travel. I feel like vacation is. I'd like to differentiate vacation from traveling. Mm. I feel like vacation implies a certain amount of restorative or restfulness. There's a certain um, rehabilitation. There's probably more R words. Recuperation. Recuperation, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like vacation, you know, comes from vacate, to leave, right? So it's like uh, you're going to... I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, in the UK they say go on holiday. Yeah. That's That's their synonym for it. But those are two different things. Holiday is like, oh, we're going to go celebrate. Vacation's like, oh, we got to leave. Mm. Well, that's but then they have staycation. Yeah. And that means you're just you're not vacating. Yeah. You're staying. It just means you're you're home, but but not going to work. Yeah. Uh, let's let's park that for a second. Sure. Uh, vacations, though, what I think is interesting is you you sort of receive from your family some model for vacations, right? There's all all shapes and sizes. But you, you, some norm is established among your family as you grow up. And then you get to be an adult and realize, I can do anything I want. I could not go on vacation every summer. I could go on vacation at a time that's not the summer. I could go on much bigger or smaller vacations than what my parents did. Yeah. But I think vacations take such a big... They're such a big memory as a kid because mm. they were special occurrences that I think they take on this sort of like, they become a norm. They become this thing like, oh, well, that's how you're supposed to do it. Yeah. And then you grow up and you can do whatever you want. So do you remember we're not times? We're beholden to. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. So do you remember times when you like, you know, realized you could, you could drive the bus, you can steer it, you can do whatever you want. We don't have a commercial driver's license. Oh. So I don't think I could drive that That bus. is the problem. That yeah. is, that is the problem in what I just said. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I guess that's that. It's it. Another way of saying it is, do you remember when you became an adult, or that you know, kind when of, you, that yeah, could it's, make a, it's a moment in yeah. in in the in um, taking on the agency over your own your right. own life like, and what you want to like do. I can I can skip that meal, or I can eat dessert before that's dinner, right. and yeah. you know, it's okay. Well, it's just this overall sort of uh, process of recognizing what you actually do like versus what you're just used to. And hmm. so, you know, you and your family, the family you of mean, nine. You mean how I, the, my coming out story? <laughs> yeah. That's, could we just go through that one more time? Yeah. The nine of you never went to Vietnam. And, you know, you're, no. the nine of you never visited Rwanda. You, have, you, you do a lot more uh, exotic and interesting world travel than you ever did as a kid. Yeah. I think that's right. But I still like, there's a version of my family vacation that I still from growing up that I enjoy, you know, going, would you, would you enjoy like having the memory? <clears throat> you enjoy, enjoy having the, the memory of it? And, or then, you, you j- and there's part of like just going someplace, plopping down for a week and, uh, going out each day to the beach and having a rhythm and just kind of like reading and, uh, reading, you know, stupid books or, uh, <laughs> playing stupid games uh-huh. or, you know, just having long, lazy afternoons right. and you know, going to, uh, the boardwalk at night, uh, for, yeah. you know, to play, those are uh, all the things you can do ski balls. And, you know, all yeah. those, I, I like, I still would like to do that. And I still do a version of that, but maybe not, uh, I don't, I don't do it quite the same way that I used to as mm. my family did it growing up hmm. in our family vacations. Now, we don't do them every year. It's like 26 of us, and they are stressful. They are just, really? it's just I mean, it's just stressful. Because just because it's, it's a lot. It's just a lot of people. And we it now like have thankfully uh, decided to um, get multiple houses, not try to put 26 people in one house. Can you tell me a time when you tried to put 26 people in one I house? I can tell you. Multiple, we've done it multiple times. That sounds like a no, terrible we, we would idea. get like a... 10 or 11 bedroom house but it's still just it's just who wants to have that many people in a house have you met my mother oh my god yeah my mother is uh wonderful but she wants everybody together all the time and that's why she had seven kids that's why she had seven kids and i think uh and i've, I've explained to her like no we should definitely all be together for certain meals or right. for certain activities and things if like you, that but if but we are we to enjoy to be, those times but we have people who are you know and at the time let's you know they're a little bit older now but we had people who you know from from one to 80 right <laughs> right and it's, it's like a little bit of a spread it's a bit of a spread there so and then you have a clustering of like you know people who can barely walk and right. then you have people who just want to be a minecraft well, and the, right and the, you, the rhythm and of people who have 
who have no kids, who have young kids, who have babies, and who have older kids is all very different. Yeah. And they're all going to collide with each other. Yeah. And, and then people have different uh, eating schedules, sleeping schedules, right. napping schedules, dietary restrictions. One, uh, of the, one of the things that I like, liked so much about leaving home is just not having to do that do those logistics it's like okay i've got a younger sister i got a younger brother and i've got a mom and a dad and everybody's got to figure out what you know there's just a lot of um like scheduling that needs to happen and accommodating like everyone's got to get accommodated myself included i'm not i'm not putting myself above this it's just like i'm just one among many and then you get off on your own and even with like your kids it's like okay but now this is this is my this is my my family right and I, I get to decide like okay are we going to do this or not do this and what do i think is best for everybody um rather than having to to be like forced into a situation where you just got to negotiate mm. uh that you only you know only part of the time do you get to even with all the with all the um i was gonna say burdens but <laughs> all the uh uh burdens of parenthood all the all the things that come along with being a parent and you know you just have this sort of constant job you have to do to hear that jack it still is is better in that you get to decide the overall thrust of what we're going to do because i said so yeah that's enough yeah that's enough of an answer so i was uh, recently at a uh like a dinner party um that was uh, it was kind of like a quasi for work related i don't want to get into the details of it but it was a the point being we were in a private Could you explain it in detail no it was a private dining room yeah with like 20 people yeah at this dinner is one long table okay who's at this table it doesn't matter okay so the, the point being it's a dinner for 20 people but and i'm using this as an example uh of trying to get my 26 family members uh-huh. you know in one place right so this is only 20 people this but this is 20 people at this dinner party and i talked to uh the person to the right of me yep uh three of the people across from me okay and barely to the person to the left of me just because yeah, that, that's cause pretty typical because there are side conversations going yeah, on there yeah, and yeah. there that's how it goes and then so it's yes it's 20 people at a dinner party but you're only actually talking to like four Right, right, right. A very, and, a reg- very t- run of the mill. And so uh, we, and so when we all twenty six of, of us get together, it's like yeah, we're all together. But you can only have, you're you know, only going to interact with half a dozen. Uh, yeah, at, at a time maybe, and you know, right. and unless you're going to do rounds, right? Right. And that's why that I've had I've had to explain to my brother. It's okay if we break off, and some people are going to do a quick Starbucks run. We don't get twenty six people into cars to go out and do a Starbucks run. If like five people want to do that, that's fine. Right. And those five people can have that time together. And she doesn't like that. Well, she loves the idea of you know. So it's like oh, let's all go do mini golf. Right. Let's all go on that deep sea fishing trip. Yeah, but. That's, what like what are you doing? And it's well, she's she's just trying to build. I mean, I, I, my mother is wonderful. I, she, I, she's I'm just trying to build memories, she's and she's trying to keep. But try to explain that you know it's okay to not have us all as one big unit together. So that's family vacation. But then I think you're right that the type of vacation that I've come to enjoy, um, I do like to kind of sit on a beach and relax a little bit. And I, I, I for that I more prefer like weekend trips right uh weekend oh, trips i thought you were to gonna beach. say like the caribbean oh because haven't you and you and tim have traveled to the caribbean a little bit yeah we have and we, we do that more we've done a handful we did on our vacation uh, our honeymoon and we've right. done it a couple times since um uh, but that's quasi i don't we don't uh, there's a little bit of exploration there too um okay uh it's not just quite we plop ourselves on the beach right. the whole it, time uh, right you're still traveling we, like, to around a, to, a, we do, to a new place you still have to figure out and we go to different beaches each day uh-huh. and we do a little you know we go out that's to not the same thing as like we're gonna go to the beach i'm super familiar with and i'm just gonna laze plop on the and beach enjoy and enjoy yeah, my time I there. i don't really like doing that if i'm gonna do that i'll do it for maybe a weekend okay. and barely um what i but i do like type of vacation that's exploratory and mm. going to a new country a new culture um meeting uh, people who you wouldn't normally come across and contact with uh, who have different life experience and lived experience and perspective on things that to me is exciting and trying to learn about a different place and learn a different uh learn about another part of the world like i i, I want to you know use my time uh that's outside of the office and outside of other obligations to explore hmm. and I have like kind of an endless curiosity about things so I it, it's it's also the, the, the case that I, I'd like to go to new places but I also do like to return to places again um, and I, I have this tension of like do I um, yeah like that, where, that ten- where would you where would you want to go I mean, Back there, to. do I? I mean, I, I, I mean, I go. I'm going to sound uh, bougie and, and annoying if I talk about the places I, I go back to. But like, I, um, if <laughs> yeah, there, there, 
there are plenty of places that I visited that like I have visited multiple times that are vacation-y type places, yeah. which are in Europe or the Caribbean or uh, or parts of uh, Africa. But mm-hmm. like they're they're and I want to keep on going to them, but there's so many more places to go that I'm excited about. So it's like, I want to see everything. I want to go back to the, so I want to see everything. I see it. Yeah. But then there's also something. Do you have too. a, do you have a list? Do you have like a, a to-do list? I, I, n- not a formal one, not, um, not, nothing that I've written down, but okay. in the back of my mind I have. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. It's fine. You got, you got plenty of time. Do I? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, the clock is ticking. All right. What's the next topic? Psychedelics. 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 So I, I read that book, uh, the Michael Pollan book, uh, came out in 2018, I believe, How to Change Your Mind. Uh, and it was all about um, the new science behind psychedelics. Mm. And um, and it, it's kind of it, just from a, you know, Michael Pollan is a great food writer in, in general, uh, and, and he's a great journalist in, in a lot of ways. And, and, and he was just trying to explore uh, with a fresh perspective the this na- this nature of what are psychedelics and um how can that help with not just the, the kind of i think there there's a a branding problem with psychedelics yeah uh, and well it, it, they were they were the the brand so to speak was um strongly established in in a past decade and it's sort of drifted into the con- con- current age carrying all that baggage with it right Right, and so it's. It, I think it's. It's his take on uh, trying to rebrand, right? Uh, at least the science of psychedelics, and, and, and trying to. Uh, he, he did a lot of research and interviews with uh, leading serious scientific thinkers who and practitioners who are doing deep, rigorous, uh, serious research into the topic, um, and that are trying to move beyond the kind of like the taboos or the sure. uh, the bad brand, the knee jerk uh, pigeonholing. Yeah. Um, and and kind of that it's been co-opted by a certain subculture, if you will, hmm. uh, and trying to um, reassert it or reappropriate it uh, for mainstream uh, purposes. And that that you know that there have been really good, promising research showing that the use of psychedelics in certain you know circumstances. He talks a lot in the book about set and setting, right, um, as being very important for this, but that it can help with. A whole range of of uh, issues, whether it's depression or anxiety or um, you know addiction, um, those are some of the most common use cases. I think it, some of the most promising research, promising research was helping uh, patients with a terminal illness and then, mm. um, helping them find more comfort hmm. uh, uh, and less anxiety uh, for their impending. Um, existential that is, uh, that is very existential right because and it's just this idea of having a transcendental uh, experience through uh, uh, a guided uh, psychedelic experience hmm. um, helps people overcome their fear of death hmm. uh, in a way of recognizing that your own consciousness is just one of many and that you're part of a broader consciousness hmm. and uh, it doesn't necessarily you know, it may, may, you know, some people might describe that as um, a d- divine sense or a uh, sure. uh, uh, you know afterlife of some perspective, but it at least broadens your your kind of sense of framing for uh, you know what is the self right. and how are we connected to each other. Hmm. So I, I I have never done a psychedelic. Uh, <laughs> I just want to put that out there. I'm, but I would be open to it in the right circumstance. I would you know. It's interesting how because of its um, sort of illicit nature sure yeah. it there's not a readily available way responsible way to do it it hearing you describe uh michael pollan's book reminds me or it makes me realize there is a close parallel to the trajectory of cannabis in the u.s going from a fully demonized um substance mm-hmm. to you know some cracks in the in uh, allowed for for research maybe or you know some edge cases where maybe it can help certain people under some medical situations to broad acceptance around its uh sort of medical use cases to now you know recreational acceptance and it's it's just kind of becoming part of mainstream society uh to the point where you know it's just it's losing it's quickly losing its stigma yeah and it seems like there is a similar um trajectory happening in what you just described it's the same trajectory it's it's that it but it's a step back it's it's a step we're still in the um 
opening up the door to um, legitimizing certain medical uses for for well, uh, or it, actually it's, it's it's even you mean a step before that a phase before that it's it's uh, opening up the door to more scientific research right even research right into so, it. so one yeah, yeah I've read about how difficult it can be to to research certain you know substances or whatever it, it, it is and it's not it's not even so much that the it's difficult from a getting permission, government permission to, uh, you know, have these controlled substances and, and to uh, use the research, I mean, sorry, to conduct the research. Um, but it's more about uh, <laughs> convincing more researchers that it won't hurt their career mm. to do this research to in the first place. To be associated that, with To legitimize the, yeah. the, the, uh, the research. Um, it, this, it's funny, this reminds me of a particular... Um, you familiar with um, the YouTube series Number File? Does that ring a bell? So it's no. a it's a uh, YouTube channel of a guy who um, shoots these short videos with mathematicians, mostly in Britain, uh, about various math topics. So if you're interested in math, it's a fun um, sort of it, it's a fun YouTube channel. Can we just take mm-hmm. a quick pause here? I don't think. I mean, I don't subscribe. I don't, I'm not a I'm not a YouTube power user. Let's yeah. call it that. Uh, I certainly go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll, I'll watch things on YouTube. You've heard of YouTube? I'll I'll search for videos. I'll go to YouTube. You've to been YouTube things. to get to the. Okay, stop. Uh, but I have never. I, I, I'm I'm sure I have been on quote unquote YouTube channels. Like yeah. I've just and been, not been aware that that's like a. Or maybe I've been mildly aware that I was on a channel. Right. But I. Like there's no channels I subscribe to. Right. There's no channels I'm interested in. I don't go to someone's channel. It's not. To be honest, there's I could I, I could probably only name a, a handful of channels. Whereas I know that like the the new generation, the the generation after us, considers YouTube. You know they're going to watch YouTube more than they're going to watch Netflix. More yeah. than they're certainly more than they're going to watch TV. TV doesn't exist. It might I was be, talking to a, a young person, a young uh, person, a young person, someone yeah. in their uh, mid twenties. Okay, because yeah, I, I yeah. yeah I teach you know the young sometimes. Yeah, um, and uh, and you have a sort of professorial <laughs> sure uh, dedication. Uh, and uh, th- this young person was saying that uh, that they primarily YouTube is their primary. Uh, that's what they watch. That's what they watch. It's yeah. like oh, I was like I've heard like, this of people. What Netflix shows you? He's like no no no. What YouTube shows I watch? Oh like, interesting. That's what he, yeah yeah okay yeah I'm, I've heard about this for teen teenagers but it, it's funny because like so where is that line because uh if you're telling me somebody in their 20s feels that way it's like oh okay i, I mean I, I buy it youtube's been around now for uh, what i think it's 2005 i know we can google that though yeah uh <laughs> anyway so there's a there's i number file is one of the youtube channels that i'm aware of and, and watch periodically um and they uh one i watched recently was there is an online resource that is about cataloging um, integer sequences. Okay, so it's you could have the sequence of of the prime numbers, you could have a sequence of all the even numbers or odd numbers, but then you can have you know Fibonacci numbers. You can have, um, but as you might imagine, does the fun ever stop? Yeah. There are hundreds of thousands of these sequences, and it started off with just a catalog of like a few hundred, and it's been added to, and now it's become kind of like a, in the same way that IMDb is kind of a, a sort of shared source for for uh, movie credits. This is like a, they all, and they all have kind of a um, like an ID number, so you can say, oh, this particular sequence we're talking about mm-hmm. is sequence number blah blah blah. Okay. So, so is, is this a Wikipedia style or a, yeah, it's, a GitHub? It's, it's, it's kind of yeah. like a Wikipedia style yeah. where, it, it, I, to be honest, I don't know the mechanics of, of how they, who curates it, but, but it's a, you know, it's a shared, um, collectively contributed thing. Okay. So there was a research paper done where they plotted um, how often certain numbers appear in sequences. Right? So as you might imagine, um, prime numbers appear in sequences all the time. Why? Because, I don't know, because mathematicians are interested in primes. Um, all the, like, um, you know, certain uh, squares and cubes, those, those appear in sequences all the time. Like, and so they have this plot. And going from, you know, one, one up to whatever much you want to, however high you want to go, how often do these numbers appear? And... What's interesting is there's this particular curve, um, very regular curve that you would expect, and uh, but there's this funny gap right in the middle of this curve. Okay, so you got this like band uh, on the bottom, and you got this band very similar to it on the top with a gap in the middle. Why is there this gap between the popular numbers and then like kind of all the other numbers? And because you can't sit with us. Yeah, yeah. The, the, stop, popul- stop, stop trying to make fetch happen. Okay. Uh, and the 
um, what what they realized is it's cultural. A lot of what the reason why these these numbers uh, are in the popular band is because they're powers of ten, for example, or they're things like the number you know the number one 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 one, which is you know things that have certain um, interesting characteristics in base ten. Well, base 10 is just a side effect of the fact that we have 10 fingers. There's nothing special about base 10. There's no intrinsic property of base 10 that makes it particularly good from a mathematical sense. It's just literally a biological uh, side effect. So just as a side effect of the fact that we have 10, 10 fingers, you end up with all these numbers that you have the numbers that are like prime numbers that would be in, in, you know, basically this is like a measure of how interesting these numbers are. You have numbers like prime numbers that would be interesting no matter what you know, aliens would find prime numbers interesting just by their intrinsic nature. But aliens that had some different number of fingers and toes would not find base 10 numbers interesting. It wouldn't even occur to them. Just like we wouldn't find, um, you know, an, the number 100 written in base 9 interesting, right? Like, that's just not, who cares, right? The number 100 in base 9 is 81 to us. Who cares? No one, no one cares. So I think it's interesting that... Um, in a field like mathematics, which we think of as very sort of pure and uh, rigorous, you can have very human side effects mm. where, you know, in this, in this example, you, you know, in the compendium of integer sequences, we are nevertheless pulled by something as simple as like how many fingers and toes we have and what base do we use to count, our, count numbers. Um, it doesn't surprise me at all that, uh, you know, there would be a, I think it's interesting that you can have these fields like the like the study of psychedelics, which is which is I mean an obviously interesting thing to study, right? Because it's it's so um, it has such a direct effect on the human experience, and yet because of just a pure stigma, just you know just something as simple as uh, the stigma associated with it for something that happened a few decades ago, you have entire generations of of researchers, th you know, in theory avoiding that topic, and so now it's like we have to. You have to have, you sort of turn the battleship uh, of getting researchers to even like dip their toes in this water of this, this otherwise really interesting water just for some kind of human side effect. Mm. And I think that's what the Michael Pollan book does, though, too. Right. right. That's right. what he's trying to do. He, he's right? trying to he, he's he, trying to legitimize it. Yeah, and he's trying to you know they, they talk about like open the Overton window, right? Mm. Of things right. that are yeah. How uh, do you how do you move that? Yeah, that kind of move the 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 expand the possible right right and about what should we be We're talking not even about possible it's like what is what is um allowed yeah or, um, what, it, what, what's possible what's considered normal what would be a possible policy you need to expand the conversation um to start enabling that space for uh policies and ideas that might have been taboo previously right you have to you have to use the radical to change what's considered normal that's a piece of it. Yes, you're saying that you're saying that's a tactic. That's 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 one piece of it. But I I don't think that's what I don't think that this is book, and I don't think what Michael Pollan is trying to do is to use the radical to to make something else normal. Because then it would be saying, oh, let's you know legalize uh, some crazy drug uh, to then or say have make the claim that we should legalize some crazy drug right. to then that would then allow people to say oh well no we shouldn't do that but maybe we should legalize pot okay fair right. enough so it, but i think what he's trying to do is just trying to sh shift the terms of the debate with and and rebrand psychedelics right. uh, f from that are kind of that have been captured as you put it uh, by a certain kind of frame from a, a past decade right. and that we you know, haven't been able to break break from that that brand uh, right. around it and so how to kind of reconceptualize the possibilities for what could be no it's not no there's certainly still negative uh, side effects it's not it's set and setting are very important and there could be you know there's certainly people have had uh, ill effects from it uh, like for many things but the possibilities for a net positive uh, impact for the world uh, is is likely there, and so let's. Well, but again, like drawing parallels to cannabis, it's it's that that's been known for a long time, and you know, you compare it to things that are, you know, al alcohol and cigarettes that are uh, legal and have really well known side effects. So that sort of logical argument that you're making doesn't have a ton of. Um, in and of itself, that rational, logical argument is that's not the basis around which we're making policy. Right. We're, we're making policy around other things, and that's just sort of a that's that's a that's a uh, side side player. That's a that's a bit character in the policy debate. So, have you ever used psychedelics? No. Do I'm, you want to? I'm I, yeah. I would uh, under the right circumstances, I'd be interested. What would I be think, the right circumstances? Um, so there's the two 
there's probably a handful of, of considerations. One is not, you know, different psychedelics have different uh, qualities, right? So, and, and people who are very knowledgeable about this can, can describe them, right? But if you're talking about um, LSD versus uh, mushrooms versus, um, you know, ayahuasca or whatever, and there's, you know, there's a long list and people will talk about, oh, well, this one's more like, you know, this one's a very, very clean and clinical. And this one, you have lots of visual hallucination. This one makes you feel like you're, you know, you lose your sense of self. And in this one, and there are different ways of describing different things. Um, and there are probably nuances within, you know, within any particular category of um, psychedelics. And then there's the dimension of, you know, how much and under what circumstances do you take it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have a, you know, you've, uh, le- recently there, there has been uh, conversations around uh, microdosing, right? Where you, right. Where you take an, an amount where you can have, it's the equivalent of like half a glass of wine. It's like, you kind of feel it, but s- sort of not really, right? Yeah. Um, so there's a big spectrum between the, whatever the, the very smallest microdose that would have any effect is up through a, a big, you know, ayahuasca trip where you're going to go off on a retreat somewhere. And so it's like, do you do the big retreat thing where it's, it's meant to be this life changing, um, you know, com- completely extreme experience. That's not really the way I would want to do it. Um, just my personality and the way I, like, I don't really want in the same way that I don't go out drinking and want to just like go on a bender or get really drunk or whatever. It's like, I'm a two glasses of wine kind of guy. So I want the two glasses of wine version of the psychedelic, whatever that is. Hmm. So about a year ago, so Tim, Tim got us a, uh, a cup, like a, a date night. Uh, he planned it for us each to go to a sensory deprivation tank. Um, this is it in New York? In New York, yeah. There's a, a, there's place. a place. There's a place. There's a place. I, I think there are multiple places, but okay. there's this place we went to. I think I read an article about this. Um, and uh, went and we went in separate rooms and mm-hmm. you know had separate experiences, but at the same time, and uh, so it was about an hour. And so I got into, um, I was, you know, wearing a bathing suit, get into this thing that's kind of like a. Is uh, it like salt water? Yeah. Okay. It's salt so you're water. floating. You're floating, um, but they also. Um, you're essentially in a hot tub. I mean, okay. it's like you know, right. It's like, it's a like body temperature. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah, it's 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 warm but not hot, but it's you know that size thing. And um, and I think I wore goggles and then had earbud, but they gave me some kind of earbuds and mm-hmm. then also like a headrest, like an inflatable headrest. Okay, so, so you can floating. relax. It helps to helps with the floating. Um, and then they turn off all the lights and then they right. said, okay, and they, and then I think when there's going to be five minutes light left like a, some kind of warm light came on and mm. started. Uh, but prior to that, it's just dark. It's just, yeah. Well, yeah. They, they, I think it, there was a countdown to it or, or something. So it wasn't just, you know, Lights but up. it was an amazing experience. I loved it. And I've been meaning to go back. I just haven't done it. Yeah. Um, having, and I really, really enjoyed it. It was so relaxing, so thoughtful. How uh, long was the thing? It was an hour. And how long did it feel like? Like, did your sense that, did you have I, I any kind have kept, of, I could have kept on going. Okay. So that's, that's interesting. That's what I mean is, did your sense of time change? Did you have a, did you have a, did it feel like it was about an hour or was it like, did you have something like a quasi psychedelic? No, I don't think, I mean, and I didn't take anything. I was, I was, sure. I was completely sober uh, for this experience, but I, I can't say it's maybe uh, I'm too far away from the experience to okay. kind of uh, accurately uh, relate that, that kind of information. But I, I do recall it wasn't a transcendental experience. It wasn't, you know, uh, a, a holy experience, but it was incredibly relaxing. Mm. It was, it was, I felt much more refreshed. I think it, it came on the, the back of, uh, I, I had been traveling, um, uh, I think quite far, uh, previous to that. So it was, I was getting, it helped me get over jet lag and mm. all those kind of things. Right. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So I, but in that circumstance, like I would have done a psychedelic mm, it, with right. the with that, the guide, that, that would be the no, right, yeah. or, or something along those lines. If, I, if like, part of the setup was here, have these mushrooms, you'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes well, sense. If, as part or of or here, have these mushrooms, and there's going to be someone with you right. who's a trained. Well, and that's what when they talk about set and setting, you know, they the you need to be in a setting where uh, it's good for you, where you're safe and you trust the people and whatever. There's there's the the sort of like go to best um, what do they call it? best practices right for how to do it. Uh, prop, pop, you know, a checklist of yeah, procedures, exactly, and 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 knowing that okay, this is going to be a eight hour experience or whatever this uh-huh. is going to be, um, and I wouldn't want to do it like out in the woods. I mean, right. I kind of would want to do it maybe out in the woods, but no, I, I'd want to do it in a uh, n- not just out in public or out and about. Right, I'd want to do it in a very controlled environment in a way. That, and the, and Michael Pollan talks about this in the book too about it's it's more important. It's not the uh, it's it's some people have the best experience when they're blindfolded for it. Hmm. So it's not the 
like the necessarily like a visual hallucination, but it's the the inward journey. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, and this is what I mean by different um, substances have different effects. Sure. Some people talk about the inward experience and how much you know, and some people talk about experiencing the external world differently, and probably uh, you know a million things in between. I don't know. I, I find that you know this is like a lot of things. You hear about the sort of vocal minority. And so you hear about the enthusiasts. You hear about the people who are really into it or who have had extreme experiences. You don't hear about the like, you know, day-to-day routine, yet nevertheless positive experiences that people have. Right. Well, so this is, and I, I kind of wonder, you know, you have the, 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 the normalization of cannabis mm-hmm. um, that's happened over the past, let's call it 20 years. Yeah. Um, and now that it's, it's legal in many states and, and yeah. growing. Recreationally legal. Recreationally in, legal. Yeah. Right. And, and huge multi-billion dollar industry and, yep. and all that. But it started, I remember 20 years ago, like High Times uh-huh. and uh, was it Cheech and Chong or those, like, yeah. it, it, there's definitely part that's, of a, that, yeah, that, that's a, a subculture yeah. that was felt sloppy. Yes, you know what I mean. It didn't feel like oh, these probably yeah, was, aren't it was the right Snoop Dogg and Pineapple Express, and there's the the stoner stereotype. The stoner stereotype probably didn't do any favors to the the, the goal, right? In the four twenty right. days, and right. people, um, but but arguably that did get the progress. You know, that did move move yeah. forward. Um, and then, and, and if you think about psychedelics, and one one thing that comes to mind is something like a Burning Man, right? Right. Um, and I'm not sure if Burning Man is the best. Um, is is the best advertisement for uh well yeah any more than stoners were right yeah right and that's actually that's part of the problem is that you know it's been marginalized so that only people who really want to do it um do it you don't have the full spectrum of humanity you know if you think about people who drink alcohol there's a giant spectrum yeah you've got the like drunks at the bar stereotype that's that's the equivalent of your phone your, your stoner or your burner right where it's like yeah, you got your drunks, sure. But, but I, lots of people. Yeah, but drink. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if alcohol is the right parallel here because it's already been normalized, and we're not talking about. No, but that's my point: is that because it's normalized, you have a broad spectrum between the biggest drinker and the person who just has a tiny bit, mm. and most people are somewhere in the middle. So, what are some other areas? Uh, like psychedelics, I think it, you know Michael Pollan is usually on trend. You know he's good okay. at like, trend spotting these things. Yeah, because uh, he, he was the local food movement and uh, and eat real food. You know healthy eating kind of a trend that he helped popularize. Um, but what what would be some other things that are you know fringe ideas mm-hmm. um, now, but that are ripe for a, a you know a new cultural awakening hmm. or a reassessment okay. so are you is this is this meant to be like things you ingest things you things that are part of your your health no or it could be like oh are we gonna in the future be like oh yeah nudist colonies are totally fine oh, or you okay, know or sure. like something like that you something, know, something where like there's a there's a fringe group where um they're the logic behind what they're doing is sound Right, but but it's fringe for some reason for for kind of cultural taboo right. reasons. Perhaps. So I think I think you you mentioned nudist colonies. I think um, you can see a pretty regular trajectory in that direction from um, like you know uh, in the past on New York beaches, uh, neither men nor women were allowed to be without a shirt. For example, right? Hmm. It, was, it was that was that was that was I didn't know that. yeah. And then men were allowed to not wear a shirt. And then in I forget when, but at some point there was a, um, a case where a woman, uh, went to court and said, it is gender discrimination that I, that men can go without a shirt and, and I can't. And so now in New York state, it's legal for women to not wear a shirt anywhere. Men are allowed to not wear a shirt. And then you see the trajectory of like bathing costumes over the past, let's say hundred years, getting smaller and smaller, you know, bikinis were this big scandalous thing in the middle of the last century. And now small bikinis are sort of a routine, um, not interesting, not terribly interesting thing at a beach, right? And it seems like um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if I were in a time machine, I fast forward and you go to a beach and every beach being a, a nude or clothing optional beach is is a commonplace thing. I'd be like, yeah, that, that makes sense. That's just sort of uh, projecting the line yeah. uh, further in that direction. They okay, so let's too. come up with some other ones. Uh, things where there is a niche fringe group that's right, 
that's that's like that, or that, that there there is a logic or a, they're not necessarily yeah, right, not right, right right but there's, but there, a, but there's kernel, a, a sound a soundness to their logic right. i mean there's some there's certainly some things when it comes to like i think progressive politics so i kind of want to move like right like, i think okay. we're going to look back at mass incarceration as uh, uh sure a, a, as a moral failure in the right. same way that jim crow or, or uh incarceration or, i mean or slavery was um uh but i i also think that um I mean, oh gosh, like, uh, in the same way that, like, you know, marriage equality was has mm-hmm. been not completely, but mostly normalized. But I think, but I think you're right that we're not exactly talking about. This is not politics. It's right. not like yeah, because no, also progressive politics. I would make a case about. I actually think that uh, uh, eating animals is going maybe in 100 years, 150 years, uh, will be what were we thinking at that time? You know, period of time. Why? There's, why? there's a lot of things in the category of what we're thinking where it's like where the scale is what ruined it. Where like doing something on a small to moderate scale right. globally is basically fine. And then the 20th century ruined it because yeah, it is a mass scale. Because yeah. the scale so went like up by eating, 10 eating or 100 meat was okay, but then sure. McDonald's ruined it. Uh, well, yeah, or, or just, just the, yeah, just the agriculture industry. Degree, I, I mean, yeah. I think, I think, um, you know, the generation, the mass generation of uh, carbon dioxide will again this is this is another sort of hot button i think one that we're seeing uh, that we're in the middle of is non non-religiosity we have this kind of interesting uh sim- simultaneous uh situation here where the number of non-religious uh people people for who they say they you know they don't go to church they they don't claim to have any religion um they may not say they're atheist but that's just because the word atheist has certain connotations is higher than ever and growing and yet it is still the case in a lot of um, places where, you know, if you want to run for office or uh, in the political sphere, especially uh, where not going to church, not being a member of the church community is still a taboo. And I think this idea of like, well, I think that's also that, that's just because of the demographics of the electorate so that you maybe. have, um, you know, the, the median eight, uh, voter is probably like 57 okay, or something so crazy saying, like that. So you're saying that's still... So, that, and, and I would say that the, the median, like, 30-year-old is probably non-religious. Okay, but would but they, would they be have, comfortable coming out and, and talking about it? And, yeah, and Perhaps, but you need, uh, you need the people that are 30 now to be, uh, when they're 60, to make it okay for uh, a 40-year-old politician come out. You know, right. perhaps. Because like, right now, like, Pete Buttigieg is... I think is that how you he, say that? Uh, I think he's legitimately. <laughs> well, excuse me, I, Pete Buttigieg. I think is legitimately uh, Episcopalian and you know has okay. a, a faith um, uh, tradition. And uh, but it, it, I bet there are a lot of Pete Buttigieg supporters uh, who don't consider themselves religious. But mm. that'd be a, a bridge too far. Like he's still appealing to that fifty-seven-year-old voter who right. is who is more likely to be religious. Um, so he, they're more religious. They're 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 going to provisionally be okay with the gay thing, right? Uh, but they couldn't be okay with the gay atheist thing, perhaps. Okay, yeah, right. And I think that's why I'm that's why I'm submitting this this topic as a as an area where um, I think it will become the case that being devout. I mean, actually, the reason I say this is because the niche where you can already see this happening is is coastal cities like uh, New York and L.A., where among you know many of the circles I'm in, it is a sort of surprising rarity or is a a niche to find a devoutly religious person. If you talk to somebody in in my circles and they're like, oh yeah, we go to, where you, so what are you doing this weekend? Well, we'll go to church on Sunday. That would be a surprise. That's interesting. It'd be like, oh, huh, okay, yeah, I guess that's a thing people do. And I don't think they would, this person would necessarily be judged for it, but it would be um, a, a peculiarity. So, Tying it all back, I think that uh, with the increase in acceptance of psychedelics, I think you're going to see an increase in acceptance of uh, uh, transcendental experiences and also maybe religious experiences. And I'm not saying that that, that if we open the Overton vi- uh, window and let in and normalize the use of psychedelics, that means that we'll see increase in church attendance mm-hmm. <laughs> necessarily. But I do think that it might increase uh, a sense of uh, a more uh, spiritual awakening, if you will, hmm. that might lead to um, some interesting side effects, like perhaps uh, increased church attendance, or perhaps increase 
uh, new age church attendance. So well, I'm not yeah, sure, yeah. I'm not sure I, I do think it's interesting that like into you have you know part of the reason why churches historically were successful is you know they they serve as this um, bonding agent of of societies of 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 uh, communities of getting like minded people together for lots of good purposes. It has at its core. Um, you know certain beliefs that are that that it, you know maybe people have trouble signing on to, and then there's obviously the the sort of corruption and so on um, that are part of human nature. But going away from the church, the traditional church, whether that's the traditional, let's say, the traditional Catholic church or the tr- traditional Protestant church, I'm sort of confining it to Christianity because that's what I'm familiar with. But um, you know, you have people leaving that, but then they leave the church maybe for for philosophical or religious reasons. And then lose the community as well, mm. right? That's the that's the baby that you lose with the bathwater. And this is something you know my wife and I have talked about, where it's like, uh, you know, what do you, where do you find that sense of community, that positive sense of community, without the religious baggage that comes with it? I go to live tapings of podcasts. Is that, <laughs> right, psychedelics, man. All right, next topic. 